0: Who's excited about grace (laughs) next Sunday? Seriously, yeah? Who who is a little anxious about going after a series such as this and talking about racial issues? Huh, cool. (laughs) I'm not buying it, but anyway, hey, we're glad you are here today. Welcome to the house of God. I hope you're going to pray for me this week as I, uh, I've been working on it, but I'm really going to hunker down this week and go get this series. And you do not want to miss it. Grace. And if you're new here, maybe you've never thought about this before, but the word race is within the word grace. And we are going to talk about racial issues, not from the perspective of some mere mortal, some man, But we're going to talk about what the word of the Lord says about racial issues and how God embraces and, in fact, created this new humanity. And through Christ, we experience, listen to these two words put together, unified diversity. Amen? Amen. Unified diversity diversity. Hey, um, we're wrapping up today, the great eight. And if you were in church last week, you got these eight verses of scripture from the great eight. If you didn't, they're in the rotunda and in the lobbies throughout. Um, how many of you have started memorizing scripture this week? Somebody bless me. Yeah. The depressing moment when a pastor asks, how many of you are memorizing the Scripture? So, bless me today. How many of you are going to go forth as we wrap this up today and start memorizing Scripture? (laughs) Guys, I'm telling you, it's key. And here's why. I'm going to connect a dot right here for you today. The reason it is so important to memorize Scripture, number one, is because God tells us to meditate on the Word of the Lord. Amen? But secondly, when you memorize Scripture, and these are eight of the most powerful verses from what many scholars and theologians have said for centuries is the greatest chapter in the Bible, i.e. Romans 8. When you memorize powerful verses of Scripture like this, when life throws you a curveball or you get in the storms of life, the power in memorizing Scripture is that the Holy Spirit has a way of bringing to mind... Verses that you have memorized that speak to you in that moment that you desperately need to hear. And the story today is one that will prove my point in powerful and profound ways. You are going to hear a story today and you are about to experience, though you might not know it yet, you're about to experience what will go down as one of the most powerful worship services in the history of new hope i've been doing this a while now and i know what god is up to and i just saw what god did last service you are in for an amazing service stay to the end anytime you think about jetting out don't do it if you've got to go to the bathroom run! and then run back um <laughs> but i'm telling you i'm telling you you'll be glad you stayed I want to introduce to you today a one such pastor, Brian Cook. Brian Cook has served as the lead pastor of GT Church for over 25 years before being called into ministry. Brian was a professional baseball player in the Chicago White Sox organization. My kind of guy right there. However, his career came to an end when he was hit by a 90 mile an hour fastball that blinded him in his left eye and ended his baseball career. Now, you might think that's a tragedy, and it is, but that's nothing compared to what this man has been through. In the summer of 2015, two years ago, Brian experienced something that would change his life forever when he and his wife Lynn were hit by a drunk driver while riding their motorcycle. That accident caused him to lose his wife, of 28 years, and his left leg. Drawing on his incredible life experience, Pastor Brian communicates with an authentic and open and transparent style that will make him feel right at home here because I know that's how you like it. He is a real man who loves a real God who has been through more than you and I, I hope and pray ever have to even think about going through. Most of all, he is able to share about his unwavering faith that has taught him, listen closely, some of you came just for this and you might wanna write this down. If God brings you to it, God will bring you through it. Won't you say that with me? If God brings you to it, God will bring you through it. Now, some of you said it like you kinda maybe believe it. Now, even if you don't believe it, I want you to say it loud like you believe it. Ready, go. If God brings you to it, God will bring you. In addition to leading a church of over 3,000, Pastor Brian is the co-author of a discipleship book called Follow and is also a frequent conference speaker specializing in training churches leadership development. However, Pastor Brian's true passion is to equip and enable people to become fully devoted followers Of Jesus, which fits right into who we are, right? Reach, teach, and release. Release what? Fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Do what you always do. After this video, I want you to put your hands together and show honor where honor is due. I often have guest speakers leave this church and they say to me, no joke, they say that's the friendliest group of people I've ever been around. That's who you are in you hope. So when he comes on this stage, do what you do. Show honor where honor is due. The Bible says honor one another, but give double honor, To the man or woman of God who brings forth the word of God in the house of God. Watch this video and let's welcome our guest today.
1: Has been issued to the members of GT Church in Spring Township after one of its pastors was killed and another seriously injured in a motorcycle crash around 6 Sunday night. Pastor Brian Cock and his wife Lynn Cock were riding southbound on a motorcycle together on Grange Road in Burn Township when police say a northbound SUV struck them in the southbound lane. Pastor Lynn was killed. Pastor Brian was flown to Reading Hospital where he is reportedly recovering from abdominal injuries and a leg amputation. Immediately, our church
0: family, the community, and people from around the world began to pray.
1: What we are facing as a church family has not surprised God, and God is near. I'm here tonight on behalf of
0: the Assemblies of God World Mission for Africa, and hundreds of missionaries that are praying for you, thousands of Africans that are praying for you, people that desperately love you, and believe in you. And also, people believe that Brian is gonna be back on this platform one day. Amen.
1: Even the delicate state that we may be in, we must make a decision. That decision is will we to will we move from being first responders to becoming faith responders? This isn't about when I hear
0: like a wave of, of adrenaline, this isn't emotion, but our feet are
1: planted on the rock, the Lord Jesus Christ, and we're not going anywhere.
0: Our faith is strong in the Lordship of Christ. Saying goodbye to our beloved friend, sister, daughter, mother, and soon to be grandmother and pastor was difficult. But as Pastor Greg shared at Lynn's services, we all rejoiced in knowing that she was the only person who wasn't hurting. She is now in the presence of Jesus.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You know, people say to me now these days, man, Brian, your life inspires me, and I say, there's only one reason, because God inspires our lives, amen? Amen. That's the only reason. So uh, it is an absolute joy to be with you today. So thrilled to be here at New Hope, uh, to be, you know, streamed out to all your campuses, and uh, what an absolute blessing. I want to thank... Pastor Benji, man, you guys have a great leader here. You know that, a great team, and uh, you really do. What God has done in this church in just a few short years is uh, none other than amazing. And, uh, you know, we drove up yesterday. Uh, We came in on Friday and drove up and just saw those words on the church, reach, teach, and release. Wow. And just uh, absolutely love that. So we're thrilled to be here. Some of our team from GT Uh, is here, Deb and Lisa came and joined me, and uh, so we are thrilled to be here today. Um, You know, just to give you a little context of me as a speaker, uh, obviously a Pennsylvania Dutch boy, all right, but my mom, guess where she's from? North Carolina. In fact, she grew up in Lillington, about an hour from here, right, southeast. In fact, we've got some great friends uh, and family that are here today. Uh, Amy and Faye are here that drove up to be a part of the service here at New Hope. So, uh, you know, I say, you know, up north they say, well, he's got game. Well, you know, when you're here, you got grits. And I had grits yesterday. I Man, that red-eye gravy, that's unreal, you know? And uh, we came here every year. In fact, a couple times a year to where I actually learned to ride motorcycle. It was on the dirt roads of uh, Lillington, North Carolina. So. Uh, it is an absolute pleasure to be here with you. Uh, my sister is a big Duke fan, all right? She lives in Toledo, and she loves Duke. My mom is a Tar Heel. Uh, I don't know. The early service blew you away. I think Duke ha- but, you know, it's kind of enough said, you know? Uh, of course, uh, Tar Heels did it for NCAA this year, right? Uh, yeah. Sorry, Blue Devils, next year's another chance, you know? But uh, it is great uh, to be with you, and what an incredible series. You know, The Great uh, Eight, man, what an awesome series. You know, the Bible is filled. 66 books of the Bible, different literary genres. You know, Pastor mentioned about reading Ephesians. Uh, It's an epistle, there's Gospels, Old Testament narrative, the prophetic books, chapter after chapter of the Word of God and this series called The Great Eight has been focused on one chapter of the Bible, Romans chapter eight. I would encourage you to memorize those verses. Uh, if you have not had opportunity to see all the messages, get on the website, check it out. Last week, I tuned in to New Hope. I listened to uh, uh, Pastor Benji as he you know, shared uh, that message on The Great Eight, and it's been a wonderful, wonderful series. So take your Bible, if you would, iPad, smartphone, leather-bound, whatever you got, The scriptures I read are going to be on the screen, but I want to encourage you to read along with the Word. You know, the Bible, as we preach the Word today, uh, I'm going to obviously share my story with you. And as I share my story, I want you to think about your story. Because here's the deal. You know, for a lot of my life, a lot of the the story of my life, I lived far from God. And what I have come to learn, I've obviously pastored in GT for almost 30 years, so I've known God almost now as many years. In fact, I've known him more now, more years than I did not knowing him. But when your life is far from God, your story is far from his word, and I want to tell you that when our lives, our stories are not connected to God's, that's a big problem. And so as I talk about my story today, I want you to think about your story. Any of the campuses that you're in, wherever you're a part of the service today, I want you to think about your story. All right? Because what happens in our lives when things get broken, when God doesn't fix it? I'm going to preach a message today as we wrap up this series called The Great Eight. I want to just simply uh, title it Shattered. There are times when our lives get shattered. Now, There's things in our life that when they break, okay, you get them fixed. My middle son, Bryce, who now lives in Cleveland, broke eight bones as a boy. Eight bones. I finally said, I said, man, does he have, is it something going on? He says, nope, he's just a boy. All right. (laughs) Um, Your car gets broke, you take it to the garage, right? Now, if you break a flower vase, what do you do with that? You pick up all the pieces and try to put it back together. No, it's just broke. It's a flower vase. It's done. It's broken. When it's our world, when it's our story, when it's our life, when our lives go through times of shattering and brokenness, we're not done, okay? And so as I share my story today, I want to talk to you about my life being shattered. In a couple times, but when it was really most shattered, when we were hit by a drunk driver, four times more drunk than he should have been. Our lives, I lost my wife and I lost my left leg and my life was completely shattered. There's times in our life when we are completely shattered. And what I want to share with you today is unlike the flower vase, when our life is shattered, God can repair us. God can heal us. God can bring brokenness, take the brokenness and make it beautiful. How many know one day he's going to make all things new? All things new, all right? I know one day, I'm gonna see my wife again, I know one day I'm gonna get my left leg. There's one thing I've lost I hope I don't get in my glorified body, you ready? I don't want my hair back. I really don't. I, I, I feel bad for you guys that can't part your hair the way I do. Hair gel, all this stuff, you know, I don't, no, I don't need that. You know, my, my dad is bald and uh, he was bald early and uh, you know, he said to me, he said, Brian, you gotta realize one thing, God only made a few perfect heads, and on the rest, he put hair. So, hey, <laughs> that, that's a good walkaway. You better jot that down. Um, but if you got your Bible, we're going to turn to uh, Romans chapter 8, and uh, I'll give you time to get there in middle of the Bible. You might already be there. But, you know, we often talk about at GT, the church I pastor, I say, you know, numbers are important. How many believe numbers are important? Raise your hand. Okay, about 13 of us, all right, oh, I'm, all right. Um, I'm, just to walk away for the guys, if you forget that number that you got married on, it's called your anniversary, that's a problem. That's a number you better remember, all right? Anybody do the online banking? Who pays the bills in the families here? You raise your hand. How many of numbers are important when it comes to that? All right, yeah, amen. You need that, all right? Uh, the, the Bible, the Word of God has an entire book called numbers. So numbers are important. All right. And uh, as I share today, you know, in fact, I heard Pastor Benji, as I was uh, online watching the service last week, he gave a quote that I often give. He said last week that every number has a name and every name has a soul. And those are the people you're trying to reach and teach and, release. and what I've often said, and what I, I share many times in our church is that every number has a name, every name has a story, and every story matters to God. So what I want to talk to you about today is my story and the Word of God, and I want you to think about your story and think of the places in your life where you have felt, or maybe you are today, shattered. I want you to think about the great eight. I want you to think about what the Word of God can say to us. So let's turn to Romans 8. I'm going to just read verses 26 through 28. So here we go. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. I'm reading from the NLT, the New Living Version. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us, believers, in harmony with God's own will. Verse 28, we often know this powerful verse, maybe the best verse in the great eight. And we know that God causes everything to work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. So in our lives, when our lives are shattered, when the doctor tells you you've got cancer, when your spouse says, you know what, I'm done in this marriage, I wanna divorce you. When your kids disappoint you, when heartache and crushed things come to you, you say, how do I deal with that? What I want you to see from the Word of God this morning is that God helps us when our lives are shattered. We're, we're not a flower vase. We're not just a vase that's broken and say, well, that's it, just buy a new one, and forget that one. No, God takes the shattered pieces of our life and he rebuilds us and he helps us. It says the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. Paul said to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 12.10, in, in our weakness, we're made strong. So God can take those broken places. In fact, there's another verse that's been very powerful to me. It's Isaiah 26.3. And if you're taking notes, I know they gave you a teaching outline when you came in. Um, I often share with my church, you know, listen, in in our part of the country, people like, I think they get it backwards. They study the newspaper, all right, if you still read a newspaper. And we read the Word of God. I think we need to like just read the news and we need to study God's Word. All right? And so as I study God's word, Isaiah 26:3 says this: "You will keep in perfect peace, all who trust in you." Not three-quarters, not 70 percent. Isaiah 26:3 says, "You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you." It's an amazing verse. Um, in fact, you know, that verse, uh, has anybody ever been to Israel? You've been to Jerusalem, Israel. Okay, I've been there. I've had the privilege of being there three or four times. It's a beautiful place. You know, everywhere else in the world, whether it's North Carolina, Pennsylvania, if you want to learn about God, you got to open the Bible, right? Uh, In in Israel, all you have to do is open your window. It's an amazing place. And when you're in Israel, um, you know, there's a greeting. In fact, it's the Hebrew word in Isaiah 26.3. It says a perfect peace. What's the Hebrew word for peace? Shalom. You guys are bilingual. That was good. That was shalom in Southern accent. That was like, shalom. That that was good. You walk down the streets of Israel, I guarantee you, they're not going to say, yo, what up, dog? You're not going to hear that in Israel. The greeting is shalom, it's peace. And again, when our lives are shattered, when our lives are broken, the Bible says that if we fix our thoughts on God, if we fix our minds on the Word of God, on scriptures like Romans eight twenty eight, that God will give us perfect peace. Does He always fix it? Does He always repair it 100%? No. This is earth we're living on. It's not heaven. But God says, I'll give you peace because I will help you. There's great peace and great comfort in that. You know, uh, part of that in Isaiah, says that when you lean, it's when you lean on God. It's like I'm leaning on this table. That God is close enough that we can rest on Him, that there's peace, there's shalom. God says, I will help you. And here's what I've learned, and I've had a lot of opportunity over the years to talk to a lot of people, but now I'm talking to people that I thought I might never talk to. I'm talking to amputees. I'm talking to veterans. I'm talking to people that have diabetes and may lose a leg or have had a a son or daughter killed in an accident. And friends, what I've learned is that everybody leans on something. I see people leaning on crack cocaine. I've seen people leaning on a lot of things. But I want to tell you, I thank God. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. Whether you know God or not, the rain's going to come on you. But leaning on God makes all the difference in our life. God is close enough for us to lean on. Psalm 34, verse 18, I love this verse. It touched my family, my boys, our church, went through such a difficult time. In fact, we had this scripture out on our road sign for weeks. Psalm 34, verse 18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. In fact, he's close enough to lean on. In fact, he's so close that he lives in us. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. All right, I, uh, you know, a big part of my life, obviously, has been baseball. And I was listening to Pastor Benji last week, and he actually referenced Louisville Slugger. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to bring my Louisville Slugger. You know, they, I just was in Louisville, and I used an R43, an S22, a K55. Uh, there's different models that you use. And uh, you know, I think this is a big part of my life. And you think about, you know, your life. You think about the day you're born. That's a number, May 23rd, 1964. That was a big number in my life. That was my birthday. My life almost ended on June 7th, 2015. Almost 20,000 days living on the planet. There are things in our life that are that are good. They're just they're right on they're right on the line. They're they're good moments. Good things happen in life. And then there are like great moments, you know, things like above line, just like, man, it's awesome. You, the day you got married, the day your children were born, you just on and on, all right? And then there's things that are below the line. There are grieving moments. There are heartbreaking moments. But I, friends, I want to tell you here at New Hope, and I love the name, New Hope. I want to tell you the great hope that God gives us is that there are God moments in our life. That in the great, the good, and the grieving moments, God can show up. Romans 8, 28 says, not everything that happens in our life is good. How many know that? It's a verse we often misquote, like, well, you know, all things are good. No, not all things are good, but God can work all things for good. Well, in my story, uh, there were things above the line. One of the things, uh, you know, below the line, I, I was far from God as a kid. I I didn't serve God, I was drinking, I had experimented with some drugs, I did some things that were really, really wrong. But then the greatest day of my life ever happened, above the line, in 1981. I was a junior in high school, and uh, I wasn't a great student. In fact, I didn't hardly study at all, you know? Uh, In fact, it was an odd thing. That day I was in the library. I thought, the library, wow, this is kinda cool. I'd never been here in four years. (laughs) So I get to the library, and there was this cute girl at the table, I thought, I may stay at the library a little longer. (laughs) And long story short, this girl not only was a beautiful girl, but she loved Jesus Christ. And she began to witness to me and share a testimony with me. And uh, I ended up getting to meet her parents, you know. Uh, I had chewed tobacco from the time, uh, you know, back in the green room. I had, they said, do you want your coffee black, sugar and cream? I said, no, I chewed tobacco. I'll just drink it black, you know. And I had the skull ring in my back pocket. I just had this, you know, reputation, playing baseball, whatever. And her dad, in her, you know, I met her dad, and he said, Brian, the only place you can go with our daughter anywhere is to church. I said, well. I said, you got a cute daughter? I'm going to church. Here we go. All right. So I went to church that night, and... Uh, Man, it was the Church of the Nazarene. See, I grew up in in Pennsylvania. It was like, if you weren't Lutheran or Catholic, what else is there? And that night I went, I said, where do you go to church? She goes, we go to the Church of the Nazarene. And we're driving over there, and the longer I drove, I thought, Church of the Nazarene. And I just kept saying it. The more I said it, the weirder it sounded. And that's a great church, and many of you know it. But the Church of the Nazarene. I thought, man, this is like the Branch Davidians. I don't know where I'm going, but she's cute. I'm going to go. I got there, man, that guy was preaching the gospel. He preached grace, but I'll tell you, he was preaching fire. You, you would have been better off with asbestos sitting in the front row. He was throwing down. And then uh, at the end of that message, I got really convicted. I, you know, I wasn't a crier, I didn't whatever, but man, I was, uh, my hands were, they were singing the hymn and it had like eight verses. And I'm like, man, let this song get over. I got to get out of here. <laughs> and he gave the invitation. And that day I came and I dropped to my knees and I gave my life to Jesus Christ. God took the experimenting with drugs, He took the alcohol, He took all the junk out of my life, and I became a trophy of God's grace in 1981. And I wanna tell you, yeah, amen. I wanna tell you today, you're in one of the campuses you're watching today, I wanna tell you, there is nothing in this world that'll take you more above the line than salvation through Jesus Christ. It's not church membership. It's not being a church goer. It's knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So 1982 rolls around. One year later, I'm a senior. Another good thing above the line, I graduated. That was a good thing. Yeah. Uh, I graduated on a Thursday night. Friday was the MLB draft, the Major League Baseball draft. And so I had been looked at by the Toronto Blue Jays, St. Louis Cardinals, a couple teams, California Angels had been looking at me, and uh, so I was sitting by the phone on that Friday thinking, well, maybe somebody will call. I had received a scholarship to go to Arizona State, and yet I wasn't a good student, so I thought, man, if I get signed, I'm going to go. So 11.30 that night, the Chicago White Sox called my house. I was kind of surprised. I thought, man, the White Sox. And they drafted me. Uh, The next day they flew in. I signed my contract, graduated Thursday, Drafted Friday, signed Saturday, and as a brand new 18-year-old, I was in spring training on Monday morning in Sarasota, Florida. That was a great time in my life. So I played. I played three years. My last year with the Sox, uh, during spring training, I only got called up for one day. Uh, Carlton Fisk. Anybody know Carlton Fisk? Are there any Red Sox fans in the house? Really? Keep your hand up. We're going to pray for you. Everybody, just send your hand toward the Red Sox fans. Yeah, you need prayer. Well, actually, the White Sox need prayer. They haven't won a game. I don't know how long. But anyway, um, Carlton Fisk got hurt. He ended his career with the White Sox, and uh, so the backup played. I went up, really, to catch in the bullpen. But I was just—it was such, such a great day. I'm sitting there with big leaguers, Tom Seaver. I caught Tom Seaver in the bullpen that day. Blown away. Tony La Russa was the White Sox coach. He came up. He shook my hand. He said, "Brian, it's good to have you today." And I was like, man. Tony just touched my hand. I'm 18 years old, just, you know, just so thrilled to be there. But uh, that part of my life, that season of my life ended in a heartbreaking thing. I went back to the minor leagues. I'm up in New York. We're playing the Chicago Cubs one night. And I was a catcher, all right? That was my position. So I looked at the dugout. You know, in baseball, you know, people think baseball's boring. It's only boring if you don't understand it. A lot of signals, a lot of stuff going on. And he'd go like this. And that was either fastball, curveball, slider, so I would get down on my crouch and I'd give the signal. Well I looked over in the dugout and he was going like this. Anybody know what that signal means? It was universal for a beanball. I want you to hit this kid. He hit a home run his first at bat. He's up in the batter's box. I refused to give that signal. I, I thought I'm a Christian. I had 10 seconds. I had about 10 seconds to make a decision. I thought, if you do that in in Durham, North Carolina, guess what that's called? It's called assault. You might go to prison for that. All right? So I thought, I'm not going to do that. That's wrong. I gave fastball inside. We didn't hit him. That manager came flying out of the dugout. He stood there. And uh, you know how when you watch it on TV, they put their gloves over their mouth so the cameras don't see it. We should have shoved a glove in his mouth that night. He cursed me and said, Brian, if you're ever going to make it to the big leagues again, you better do what you're told. I want him hit, and I want him hit right now. The next pitch, they hit that young uh, Cubs player on the ring finger, broke his finger, didn't play a game the rest of the season. So I come up two innings later. I'm a left-handed hitting catcher, and I'm in the batter's box, and this young kid now retaliates. He throws a ball behind my head. A 90-mile-an-hour fastball ran up under my helmet, hit me right in the left eye, just about knocked my eye out of my head. They very, very closely came to giving me a glass eye, so I don't have any vision out of my left eye, very little. Uh, and that was a day when my life felt very shattered. I had just come to know God. He had changed my life, but I had worked all my life, my life only passion was to be a professional baseball player. And in one moment, in one second, it was done. You have times like that in your life. It's tough. There are times in your life where God doesn't fix it. I believe, you know, God, the Bible says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. There's nothing God can't do. But we live on planet earth and there's some things that just don't get fixed. But we're not a flower vase. You know, it's not like we're done. God can reshape us. He can mold us. He can help us. He told the Apostle Paul. He said, listen. He said, you know, he had prayed three times that he would be healed. And God said to him, my grace is sufficient for you. So in our times of heartbreak, in our times when our lives are shattered, God will help us. Secondly, it says in Romans, verse 27, and the Father who knows all hearts, Knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. So, no matter what happens in our life, it's not all good. It's not all great or good. There are grieving times, there are heartbreaking times. And you say, Well, Brian, I don't know if I believe the Bible. You may be sitting in one of the campuses today and say, I don't know. This stuff about the Bible, listen, I want to tell you, you may not believe what I'm saying today, and that's all right. You're on a journey. Uh, How many paid your taxes on April 15th? How many paid your taxes on April 15th? (laughs) Pastor, I don't know. You might want to do some talking here. I hope you did or you'll have a prison ministry probably by next year. (laughs) Just saying. All right? Um, Whether you believe in God or the Bible or not, I want to tell you, most of us have been to a funeral. Whether you believe in God or not, one day you're going to die. And friends, what I want to tell you is that God is faithful, that He helps us when our lives are shattered. Secondly, God pleads for us when our lives are shattered. It says the Spirit of God pleads for us. Um, you know, I, I thank God for prayer. People say to me now, you know, all over the country, because so many people prayed for me. And, you know, as a pastor, this going through what I've gone through has made me a better pastor because I listen to people differently. And I think people listen to me differently. You know, sometimes, you know, people say, I, you know, pastors, we kind of deify the pastor. You know, and I, we should honor them and double honor. I get that. But, you know, we, we kind of deify them. And I, listen, we have feet of clay. Your pastor and I have feet of clay. Well, he's got two. I've got one in titanium. But don't hold that against me. And... I think about that day when God you know, touched me and people, I wouldn't be standing here if it wasn't for the power of prayer. Uh, it was June 7th, that Sunday morning. It was a beautiful day, just, right, just like here. We got up and it almost made me think about it. June 7th, beautiful summer day. It was our first responder Sunday. We had policemen and firemen and EMTs, all of them, the men and women that serve our communities, we honored them. It was a great day. We had several of them came to know Christ that day. It was a wonderful day. And we went home. We had lunch. We got there in the afternoon. And my wife said to me, my my wife loved to ride Harley-Davidson. I mean, she loved it as much as I did. In fact, when I got out of baseball, I didn't have many hobbies. You know, I played baseball. I tried to play golf. Anybody like golf? I tried to play golf. I'd hit it a country mile, but the wrong direction. I'd break windows. I'd kill wildlife. It was horrible. It was just, I thought, I, I can't do this. So... You know, for years in, in Lillington, North Carolina on the dirt roads is where I learned to ride motorcycle. In fact, Faye Johnson, who's here with us today, I rode her son's motorcycle and that's where I learned to ride motorcycle. And Lynn, who had told my mom like a year earlier, she said, Mom, she said, I know you don't like us to ride because you no one thing, if, if I die on that motorcycle, I'm gonna die happy. And so June 7th, we got out on that bike and we took a ride up to Lancaster County uh, we were going to go through a different season of our life. Our oldest son was getting married. Our middle son was moving to Cleveland. And our youngest was getting ready to go to college the next year. And how many know that's called empty nest? Empty nest, right? You know there's one word for emptiness, right? Yes. <laughs> we love our boys. And I didn't have any idea that that day I was going to go from being an empty nester to just an empty house. And that day my life I felt shattered. So we're coming home from Lancaster on the motorcycle, having a beautiful day. We got within one mile of my house on a really bad turn, a blind curve over a hump, and a young man that was drunk, four times more drunk than you're legally allowed to be, hit us head on. My life was nearly taken. My wife's was instantly taken. He hit us right. He hit me right on the motorcycle right up my leg. So my leg was basically amputated at the site. The first operation at the Reading Hospital was a pair of scissors. They actually thought my leg was going to fall off when they put me on the stretcher. My wife was instantly taken. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. My wife instantly was in the presence of Jesus Christ. I think about that that day. Um, You know, the interesting thing about it was that this leg that was almost removed the 36 units of blood that i lost enough for 6 men my size flowed out of my body out of my right leg because if you've ever how many ride motorcycle here you know you know how hot that exhaust gets we had been riding an hour my leg laid on that exhaust till that exhaust was cool it burned right through my skin all the blood i lost came out of this leg this leg had twisted when he hit us, and the artery actually actually pinched together, and I would have bled to death had that not happened. The Bible says we are fearfully and wonderfully made. How many know that? God spared my life there that day. My hips were crushed. My pelvis was crushed. My liver was lacerated. My kidneys were punctured. And, you know, for all practical purposes, I should have been dead. In fact, I did die twice, and they revived me. You look at, uh, you know, I know I kind of signed off on the HIPAA laws, just in case you were wondering, because those are, those are my hips. And you see the, the, the hip over there with the pins. I, I go to TSA now, I get in the airport, he goes, man, you got a lot of hardware. I, I don't know if that's a compliment or what it is, but I say, well, thank you, yeah, yeah, yep. That's my leg where it has a steel rod down it with like nine screws going into it. They revived me twice, once on the helicopter, once at the scene where I nearly died. And, friends, I want to tell you by the grace of God, I stand here today. By the grace of God. And I am so thankful. So, I lay in that hospital uh, unconscious for three and a half weeks. They waited and waited because Lynn, they were going to have her funeral. Our church, our church could not have been kinder. They just loved on my boys, our staff. They, they, did, they tried to wait, but they had the funeral. I have done hundreds, like your pastor, hundreds of funerals in my ministry. I never thought I would miss my own wife's funeral. I was in a medicated coma while they buried my wife. So I started waking up in the hospital. They, I was heavily medicated. I would be out for a little bit, then I'd go back. It was just a horrific time. I have no memory of the accident. I, I don't have one. I, I know some people that are in head-on collisions. They have nightmares every week. I don't have that, but I do remember kind of waking up one day, and one of our pastors was there, one of our elders, and he would come in every morning at 6 a.m. and he'd pray for me. And I was kind of waking up, and uh, he was on the video, and I, I said, "Greg, what are you doing here?" He said, "I'm here because I love you, man." I said, "Well, yeah, I love you too, but why are you here?" I said, "What? Where are we?" I said, "In fact." Where's my wife? Where's Lynn? And Greg said to me, he said, well, Brian, she's with the Lord. And I said, well, listen, I know she's with the Lord. But I mean, like, where is she? <laughs> and the chaplain had told them, if you don't want to be the one that tells Brian, just change the subject and he'll go with you. And so Greg just thought, hey, because he you want a cup of coffee? I'm like, yeah. And we, he went that direction. Later that day, my wife's sister, uh, Lynn's sister, Rhonda, came in. And I said, Rhonda, just please tell me. I said, where is Lynn? She said, Brian, this is what the chaplain, how he told her, she's dead. She died and you don't have your leg. And I will never forget, as long as I live, taking my hand down my left leg and not feeling my kneecap. And that was the first time that I became aware of what had happened. That was a day when I felt completely shattered. And friends, I just want you to know that in those moments, it's not wrong to question. It's not wrong to talk to God. The Bible is full of psalms that are called laments. There are lament psalms, and David would say, God, where are you? Why haven't you helped me? You know, if, you know there are laments where I just struggle. Now, you can question God. You can't just live there. Sometimes we can question God. And I did. I said, God, one more second at a red light, if we'd have just had one more sip of coffee, if we'd have used the restroom, anything, if I'd have met that guy on the straight stretch, just at that time, at that second around the curve. But friends, I want to tell you something. Even if God ever answers that question, it doesn't really help, does it? What if God said, Brian, this is why it happened. The Bible says our days are numbered. God loves us just the way we are. That day, in fact, I survived. I, I began, God began to give me peace. It was right before Christmas, one week before Christmas. And the young man who killed uh, my wife, he uh, said, first, I was in his lane. And then he made this comment. He said, you know what? He said, uh, no, it was my fault. And I was in court, I still didn't even have my prosthetic leg. I'm looking at the judge, I'm giving my victim talk, and I said, Judge Bacabella, I said, would it be okay, rather than looking at you and talking to him over here, would it be okay if I just looked right at him? And he gave me permission. And I looked at that young man and I said, listen, Sean, I said, I wanna tell you something. I said, I was far from God like you are. I drove when I drank, I experimented, I used drugs, I said, I get that. That's the power of choice. And I said, I don't know how many years prison they're going to give you. They could give you four minutes, four weeks, or 40 years. You've given me a life sentence. I'm going to live the rest of my life without my wife and the rest of my life without my leg. My three boys are going to live without their mother. My grandkids won't have a grandma because of your choice. There's power in choice. But I said, I've made a choice today. My family has made a choice today. We choose to forgive you. And I hope you've hurt your family and my family. I pray that you will make the choice to ask God to forgive you. That wasn't easy. Been a pastor for 30 years, an ordained minister. Not easy. It's one thing to understand forgiveness. It's one thing to experience it. And I did in 1981. But it's really hard sometimes to give it. But the Bible says if we don't give it, we're not gonna receive it. So friends, just be encouraged at the grade eight God, not all the things that happen are good, but God takes those things and he can make them for good according to his purpose. The last thing, and I'm gonna close with this. God not only helps us, he not only pleads for us, God brings purpose from our pain when we are shattered. He brings purpose from our pain when we're shattered. You know, many times we... uh, there's certain Bible verses that we know, and we quote them, and Romans 8:28 is one of them. But as I said earlier, don't take it out of context. It's not, not everything that happens in our life is good. But there is a piece of it that God can take, all the broken. In fact, in our church, very similar, we did a, a series called The New Normal. We talked about grief and about loneliness and heartbreak. And that, that week, we did this. We For weeks in that series, we broke. We took yardsticks and said, man, you don't feel like you measure up. You don't feel like you are the... We broke yardsticks. We broke glass. And we took all of that material at the end of that series and we made a mosaic. And I know you have one out in the rotunda. You have one just kind of similar where you shattered things and all the brokenness of our life. We're not a flower vase that God says, I'm done with you, just get out of No, he picks those pieces up and he makes us what we need to be. And so I wanna encourage you, the great eight can make a great difference in your life. I'd love to pray for you today, so if you just bow your heads, close your eyes, I'm gonna pray. Father, I know here at New Hope, in all the different campuses, wherever this great church family is meeting today around North Carolina, I know they've had some hard times. I know that many of them, even in this moment, feel shattered. And God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your love. None of us, God, would be where we are if it were not for you. So I pray your blessing, I pray your healing. I pray those that feel betrayed, God, that need to forgive someone, God, give them the grace today to forgive because, Lord, Who are we that you forgave us? We thank you for your mercy. And I pray that you would bless New Hope Church. Thank you for what you've done for all of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Thanks for being a part of this week's podcast.
1: If you have any prayer requests
0: or praises, we'd love to hear from you. Just email our pastors and staff at prayers at newhopenc.org and we would love to pray for you. If you'd like to support the ministries of New Hope, just stop by one of our campuses or visit us online at newhopechurch.org. We hope you'll join us next week for the podcast and thanks for being a part of our church family.